The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye and Andrew Gross. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad. Before we oh, switch uh, gears, right. you okay over there? Yeah, no. Uh, Finger in- wasn't working. Interesting conversation. And we, we talked about uh, parents uh, re-engaging with their children and knowing what's going on. I thought I'd make mention of this uh, because it's not going to make headlines, but uh, I thought it was important to hear. Uh, there's an 18-year-old named Joshua O'Connor. You don't know his name at all. And the reason you don't know his name is because his uh, plan to uh, undertake a similar attack at a high school in Everett, Washington, yeah. which is near Seattle, uh, was foiled by his grandmother. <laughs> uh, he had two guns. He'd been researching improvised explosive devices. He'd been filling a journal with detailed plans about what he wanted to do. His journal entries included uh, things about um, quotes like, make it count, kill as many people as possible. Uh, He'd been reading about other mass shootings, according to his uh, browser history. And he had said that he he was learning how to do it from the other ones. Didn't want to make any mistakes, wanted to see how others had been caught or taken down in the act. They arrested him on Tuesday. Uh, one day before the Parkland shooting, and they arrested him because his grandmother found one of the guns and the journal, read the journal, and called police. And police have charged him. It turns out uh, after charging him and uh, seizing the weapons, they discovered that he had been involved in a robbery of a convenience store, which they say probably was to help fund his mass shooting, to buy more weapons and ammunition. So, I mean, you know, it's you know, nobody, it's no one person's fault, but you've got to keep your eyes open. And I love this text that came in. It says, hey, Andrew, I think you've hit it on the head. The nature of society has changed because the nature of family has changed. We now have empty homes with dual working parents and TV is a babysitter and game box is a babysitter. I really believe that the only way to change this trend that we have of violence and youth in North America is to re-engage parents with their children on a grand scale. And, and he goes on to, to talk about, you know, some of the things we think that need to do. Now, let's be real. Um, this doesn't happen to every kid whose parents right. work every day. My parents worked every day. I was a latchkey kid. I came home, took care of myself until my parents came home. Um, but we always came back together. You know, that you talk about the family suppers. We always had supper together as a family. We did stuff together on the weekend as a family. And when my new family came along, I put that back in place. Uh, they didn't mm-hmm. do Sunday dinners. I'm like, no, Sunday dinners dinners are important and if you know we're all busy during the week let's make sure that we're getting together and you know and making sure that there's a a, a connect there or a reconnect yeah and you know what i want to make it really clear as well that uh, you know when we talk about these kind of things when we talk about connecting with children and, and keeping an eye on your own kids it's hard not to sound like you're doing it better. Yeah, and so you're no. telling people how to We're do it. We're all figuring it out. We're all figuring it <laughs> out together. Uh, and to not, I don't want to go into detail, but there was a uh, young man murdered in Edmonton, um, what, about a year and some about ago? About a year and a half ago, two years ago, yeah. Yeah, he was uh, stabbed to death, uh, left to die on the ground, police arrested, and have since tried, uh, the court system has now tried and sentenced the individual. Yeah. Um, my son is directly involved with both the victim's family and the yeah. individual's family. Knew them well. Knew them well. They've been in my house. They've, uh, I've met them, know them. Um, in fact, the, the mom taught uh, my daughter and son in school. Mm-hmm. We were very connected to them. Didn't see that situation. Didn't know um, that that was potentially going to happen. Didn't know that they were... that. One of them had been involved in drugs. And in hindsight, 
when you sit down and talk to your son and he tells you, yeah, I kind of knew that they were, you know, but the other part of the problem is it's not that I don't think I have a good line of communication with my children. It's that what they see as significant information is possibly different than what you see as significant information. Mm -hmm. And once you get talking to your kids about this, as long as you're able to, you find out a lot. Yeah. You know, and that they they don't see perhaps, and I'm using this just as an example, not specific to this story, but maybe they don't see light drug use as a problem or a guy who sells a few drugs, but he's not real serious about it or an incident that happened that he made a threat while he's just being an ass. You know, and and but when an incident like this happens, now everything seems really clear. In hindsight, you go, "Well, all the signs bigger. were yeah, there, right?" Absolutely. Yeah, it uh, it's it's a tough one, and you have to try and figure out what is the pieces of information that you need to do something with. And I think oftentimes we can let we let things slide mm-hmm. and we think, okay, we're not going to, we don't want to get involved, you know, that yeah. sort of stuff. And but, maybe perhaps you're overreacting, yeah. perhaps it isn't yeah. as bad as it seems, and yeah. You know, we have, and and you have those conversations with your kid when you're trying to figure out that stuff, and I think, you know, you know, we have in our family, so yeah, it's not that big of a deal, it's not that big of a deal, and it does turn into a big deal in some circumstances, not all circumstances, but, uh, yeah. Um... And by the way, and I, I, and I guess the, the other one, sorry, the one other know. thing too is that you know when you talk, you know, Larry was talking about, you know, reengaging with, you know, getting kids to feel comfortable with authority figures in whatever way that is, whether it's the parents, whether it's a school resource officer, a police officer, maybe your minister at church, whatever it is, you know, feeling comfortable and and being willing to to maybe have someone to talk to if they're not comfortable talking with the parents is is having someone to talk to and and maybe you know it could be the school counselor could be a counselor that you set up for your kids it could be a variety of different things but I, i think that is important when kids lose that trust in authority figures and it happens, and it happens mm-hmm. often for all sorts of different reasons. And and you know we can put the blame on the authority figures as well. Um, but that's that's a, a detriment to um, to the children. It's det- I think it's yeah. detriment to society. Actually, funny you read my mind because uh, what I was going to say that even when there isn't that lack of trust with a parent or an authoritative figure, as sometimes there is with somebody mm-hmm. else's parent. Yeah. I mean, think of the times I I think of many times that the kids have had friends over over the years, and if you take even a, just a small interest in yeah. uh, having a conversation with them, um, sometimes your your son or daughter's friend will open up to something and you'll see the warning signs. And again, not to get specific, but Carol and I stopped a suicide. Mm-hmm. And we stopped it a few years ago when in talking to the individual, we realized this was about to happen and uh, phoned the parents and clearly it was about to happen. Mm-hmm. But he had not spoken to his parents and there was no indication from yeah. my child that there was a problem, but just in talking to him, it was there. You could see it. And 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 oftentimes, I think, like this individual down in Florida, he's posting his intentions mm-hmm. almost like he mm-hmm. wants somebody to stop yeah. him. Yeah, and you're right. You talk about, you know, the, 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 uh, the almost suicide. My nephew, who committed suicide, he would have turned 25 last week. He was 15 years old when it happened. His parents, to this day, still have no idea why it happened. Really? There is no clue. There was nothing mm-hmm. left behind. There was nothing, you know, leading up that anyone could, could figure out. And it's like, who was it? 
that you were talking to or weren't talking to or why weren't you talking to mm-hmm. someone? And I remember at the funeral, his brother, because it was in the school gymnasium, and his brother Robert getting up in front of the entire school and saying, you know what, my brother believed or thought that he didn't have anyone to talk to when I was his, you know, what I thought I was his best friend. Mm-hmm. So I'm telling you that if you, any, I don't know all of you, but any of you, if you ever get to that point or you need to talk, you call me. Sure. And making sure that that's open and knowing that someone has a place to turn to because oftentimes people don't think that they have someone to turn it's to. It's sometimes easier to talk to a stranger. Absolutely, a complete stranger. Yeah. And, and and you know the, and then and the feeling is that they won't prejudge you. Yeah. They won't remember you after. Yeah. So it won't be something that you have to live with every yeah. time you see them. Yeah, sometimes a stranger can can be a, a lifesaver. You know that mental health thing that I sat through yesterday. Um, some of the the folks who were talking uh, was talking about you know having someone to talk to, but also being a good listener. Mm-hmm. And not judging, letting the person say, oh, well, it's not that big of a deal. Oh, don't worry about it. It'll get better. But actually sitting there and listening. And I believe that being a a great listener, even a good listener, is oftentimes much harder to do for most of us, including me, mm-hmm. than being a talker. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Let's do this. You can get a hold of us anytime at 496-0063. You can text us at 630-630. You betcha. So, you know, typically on Friday we uh, start to have some fun, but we can't go right from where we were to fun. So let's try and bridge that gap okay. if we could. Uh, possibly this will help you out. You've heard about these uh, fake phone calls before from uh, RCMP mm-hmm. or, uh, you know, other uh, police El- agencies. Or, yeah, wherever it is, Algeria, the ones going around exactly, now too, the one yeah. called Scams. So there's one uh, has happened in Edmonton. A woman's been scammed out of $15,000 by a fake RCMP officer. Uh, she got a phone call, a, a couple of missed calls actually, from K-Division of RCMP. CMP. And let me stop there for a second and say, it's possible for anyone with a phone to program the phone to appear to be anything. So you can't just simply go with call display as to who's phoning you. But they, uh, it came up as K-Division. She then got a call uh, from a person who said he was a police officer, mm-hmm. uh, spoke like one, sounded like one, carried himself like one, identified himself as Austin White, uh, gave himself a badge number, 44701, he even provided a file number. And the story he told basically was that her husband had been arrested and he'd been arrested for not reporting identity theft (laughs) and that it was a serious crime and that uh, if she did not pay the bail uh, and the lawyer fees and some processing fees that he would uh, he would potentially go to jail and be fined tens of thousands of dollars and this is a twist i hadn't heard before but they refused to let her hang up so she hung up they phoned right back and said she had to stay on the line or it was going to be even bigger trouble for her and i would suppose the reason they did that was to not allow her the opportunity to phone somebody else and just ask what should i do so she made several stops um, at ATMs, Bitcoin ATMs, and other places where she eventually, in several different payments, sent $15,000. And interesting, it was done through Bitcoin. Yeah. Even harder to trace, That's right? right. Um, and she had the phone number that had called her, and she wasn't allowed to talk to her husband, and she was told that he was there, 
And of course, what you would do typically, I think, if you heard something, if you heard a loved one was, you know, arrested or in trouble mm-hmm. or to the hospital, even though you're being told that, you'd want to phone them right away and just make contact. That's, again, why probably they wouldn't let her hang up. They kept phoning her back, kept her on the line. After she had sent the money, she phoned her husband. He answers the phone. He's on a bus coming, coming home, home from, from work. work. And But they knew. They knew where he worked. So they had enough information that she really felt like this is a legitimate call. But again, you can never underestimate these scammers. What they had done was they had phoned and tried to get, I can't recall who they phoned. I think they phoned him on his cell phone originally, asked what his business address was because they had a UPS parcel for him and that he had to be there to sign for it. So they had to know where he was going to be at a certain time. So he said, well, I'll be at my workplace and here's Uh the address. So they knew where he worked, what time he worked, what his name was. Uh, He identified himself some other ways to make sure that UPS would get the parcel to him. Then they used that information to phone the wife knowing he was at work and to say, well, we know we arrested him at this workplace at this time and it all fit a reasonable doubt again the RCMP aren't going to call you ever ever and yeah. demand money for, right. from you if if an, if if anyone calls you for example identifying themselves as an officer from K division hang up the phone call K division mm-hmm. and, and ask, ask them the officer. if there is an officer yep. there with this badge number and with this name and you tell them why and you find out and i and i understand that in that moment you're terrified you're you're mm-hmm. petrified all of that you gotta pump the brakes for a half a second. Yeah, and you know what? I feel so bad for it. their life savings gone. Right, and and you know, in hindsight, uh, they sort of figured out uh, where the warning signs were. They've tracked the IP addresses um, for the transfers, and they've already determined that it went through a series of stops. It went to yeah. London, went to Eng- or went to France. They're not sure where after that. They're still tracking it down. The likelihood of them ever getting no. the money back is probably never going to happen. And it all happened in an afternoon. So, I mean, this woman relieved that her husband's not incarcerated, but $15,000. They'll never ask you to pay. You'll never be asked to pay over the phone. You'll never be asked to pay with gift cards. You'll never be asked to pay with an ATM. You'll never, ever be asked to give financial information over the phone. So the, the the woman in question moved to Edmonton from Pakistan four years ago to join her husband, who was a Canadian citizen. And she said, you know what? She she now says she admits she needs to educate herself about Canadian law enforcement, but hopes going public will educate others in case they become uh, targets. And she says, you know what? Yeah, I stopped thinking rationally. And that happens. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes it does. But this is what these scammers are also doing oftentimes, is they are, are, are picking on on folks who, like this woman, may not have an understanding of of what's going on or maybe come from somewhere mm-hmm. where police would do this or have done this in different parts uh, of the world. Um, this text came on, said a co-worker got scammed the same way just before Christmas. Revenue Canada scam, 10 grand in Bitcoin. Ugh. So sad, just sad. And you know, it's funny because these scams take all shapes and forms. I read this story the other day, uh, and it's basically the same principle uh, in a way. But again, in hindsight, you go, wait a second, that didn't make sense, Mm -hmm. right? You didn't recognize the red flags. There was a guy at a train station in Palm Beach, Florida. Uh, a stranger walks out to him, asks him if he's got change for a $100 bill. The guy says, I only have 40 bucks. The stranger is desperate to change this $100 bill. So he says, well, listen, I'll, t- I'll take 
20. Like, I, I just really need a small bill. So the guy, in this case, not preying on fear, but preying on greed, thinks, yeah, I'll buy $100 for $20. So he gives him $20. Well, you know what happened next. The $100 bill is a forgery. Yeah. So yeah. he just gave a stranger $20. This text from Grand Prairie, well, crazy. It makes me cringe with all these Facebook posts about what was your first grade teacher, what's your dog's name, mm-hmm. take your husband because you love them. All of this can be used by hackers and such to get sensitive info. I beg my mom and friends not to buy into that stuff. As for the lady, I feel so bad for her. I would have probably driven to the police department while talking. Um, but yeah, and that's the other thing. You have to remember the stuff that you're putting on social media, oh, what yeah. can be identified and what can be traced back. Hey, you know, what? what's your mom's maiden name? You know, next thing you know, it's, oh, you know, she's a, you know, whatever. All of a sudden you have one of the most popular questions uh, on banking things at what's the secret, your what's your maiden, maiden name? name? Think, think about, about this, about that, yeah, guys. Think about it, everybody. Have you ever seen one of those things where they're like, hey, want to know what your porn name would be? Yeah. Take your first cat, your mother's maiden name. Do you think they really care? I mean, some of them are people just, you know, they're just regenerating those because they're funny. You just gave your mother's maiden name away to the Internet. Mm -hmm. You just put it out there. Put your Facebook settings on lockdown. Put them on privacy, like upgrade the privacy settings. So many people out there have their Facebook page wide open. Oh, yeah. Absolutely wide open. And anyone can go on and check anything. Now, again, you know, if you have like 5,000 friends on Facebook, all of those people have it. I'm at the point of, I don't know the person. I'm not adding them. I got to be Just honest simply, with you. I've got to purge again, actually. We've had several stories this week we haven't gotten to about Facebook losing its yep. customers. That um, that they've they're losing a whole lot of youth, and now they're starting to lose adults, and the people are not happy with Facebook, and they're going to make changes. And Instagram is more popular, although I believe Facebook owns Instagram. But I'm at that point. I I, I don't know what I have Facebook for. I, I don't, no. you know, I I don't really use it much. I don't I I don't think I need it anymore. I think the most I've ever used it for is to play slots in a Facebook app. But beyond that. I really have to, mm-hmm. I get reminded all the time that I haven't posted anything on Facebook in a month. I don't know why I have it. It's just an open back door to my life that doesn't need to be there. It is uh, 2.55 on the 6.30 Chet Afternoon News. We need to take a break here for the 3 o'clock news. David, Doug, hold the line if you don't mind. We'll get to you momentarily. The 6.30 Chet Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye and Andrew Gross. Weekdays at 2 on 6.30 Chet.